Welcome back, everyone. It's been quite a long time since we've got to uh, grace, time. grace you your ears with our beautiful voices. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been it's been two weeks. Uh, last week we we for we uh, forewent the podcast because of Father's Day and all the stuff going on there. Um, so we we didn't put out an episode last week, but this week we're hoping to uh, make up for that and get back on track with everything. So. Welcome back to the Pilgrims and Prodigals podcast. We missed you. That's what I'm trying to say. Na, I na, 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 na. Okay. J- Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's literally, I'm pretty sure that was the Jurassic Park. Theme. It was. I wouldn't get sued for that. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. It, camera pans. You're looking at brontosauruses. And then all of a sudden the T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what a T Rex does? Yeah, dude, you don't know that. They just, they just, uh, there's some audio engineering that goes into that. That's like a real scientific T Rex noise right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, so this is getting started off good. I'm glad everyone came back to this quality podcast. We're glad to have you back. Whew. Oh, man, how's your? I like uh, I, how's? I feel like I. Sorry. Whoop! Oh, you go first. Oh, dude, work has been crazy. Oh, really? What's going on? Well, right now they've got a lot going on with, uh, they sold the company, so there's yeah. been a lot of transition, but ever since they've done that, work has been so slow. Oh, what? Like, you guys aren't doing anything? Yeah, like, just the volume of orders is down from, like, 100%, if, that, if that's what it was before, it's down to, yeah. like probably 40 percent lord yeah so so most of my day consists of standing around cleaning something or looking for something to do bro i know that that's a crappy place to be in because you just want to like zone out and do what you're supposed to do and not have to think about finding something to do right but on the other hand if it was my job and i just got to look for something to do i would be like hell yeah this is a great day (laughs) yeah (laughs) because <laughs> my day is literally just like it's I, your job because you work in basically like a manufacturing uh, yeah. factory it's the same thing over and over again and you're like i'm awesome do it again i'm awesome do it again i'm awesome do it again mine is like dealing with a classroom full of people and all their personalities <laughs> and they're like oh uh, it's too cold in here uh it's it's too hot uh i don't i don't know where we're at teacher help me and i'm like <laughs> Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) We just, uh, uh, me and my boss are talking about that. Like, cause we're worried about losing people and people come in, they hire like literally everyone that applies pretty much at a call center. Yeah. They, they hire. And so we get all kinds of people and we've been worried about like, we got to make it a fun and safe and comfortable learning environment where everybody wants to stay. Wait, so you're, you're treating it like church. Exactly. Nice. Exactly like church. We're like, what What can we possibly do to keep them from leaving? Not necessarily like – it's not necessarily about success, but how can I get the biggest number of people to graduate yeah. and go to the production floor? <laughs> and it really is like church. I've been treating it like most churches are like, oh, well, maybe we could uh, have like a sewing club because we got to get those sewing people. And maybe we could have like a badminton tournament 
because everybody likes to be athletic, but not everyone is athletic. That's a great <laughs> medium. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess so. But I talked to her and I'm like, this ain't working, man. We're getting, like, because the quality of people that we've been pumping out, just trying to coddle them all and make them feel comfortable and make them stay. Uh-huh. It's been crappy. Like the people that come out are just like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. They just really made me like being in the classroom. So now it's about to get way different at my job. We're about to turn everything up and be like, Hey, do you want this job? And do you want to be successful? If so, I can help you. If you don't, and all you want to do is complain, you got to the wrong place. <laughs> how do you think how do you think that's gonna bow over? Do you think people be receptive or a bunch of people are gonna be like F this and walk out? I think that I think that it'll be better. I think the people that were bad employees to begin with, just people who aren't really dedicated, don't care, and don't need this job will be like, Oh, I'm not going to stand for this. You, it's too cold in here. I quit. (laughs) I don't need need a full-time income. (laughs) Screw this. (laughs) (laughs) And those people are going to leave. Thank goodness. And I think that the good employees are going to be like, thank God you got all those distracting people out of here who I just was so tired of hearing their mouth. And I think the people in the middle will be like, Oh man, I got to either become a professional or, or don't. And then so the, we like will graduate 100% professionals if we have strict guidelines and are tough and just – you know what I mean? If we hold yeah. up the standard. And I, so I don't really care how many people we lose honestly. Yeah. I and think that, if I mind, if I had to I'm like – if I had to like say like what category of a worker I am like like that middle upper class or like super lower class like don't want to do anything, I would probably like put myself in the middle probably as far as like just where I'm at right now yeah. because like I go to work and I do my thing and I work hard. I mean, I, I'm never lazy at work, but I'm not like, yes, this company, this corporation is the best thing since Jesus. And I needed to do everything I can and build their organization. Like I'm like, I, yeah. I go to work, they pay me. So I work hard and I go home. That's kind of like where I'm at. I, I totally agree that that's that's almost kind of where I'm at. But can you imagine what it would be like if you were 100% confident that you could get a promotion? You're like, dude, I can definitely get a promotion and make 50 grand a year. I mean, you would probably go into work differently. You'd probably wouldn't be like, oh, this is just, you know, this is what it is. You'd probably be like, this company is my life. I love this company. Yeah, I want to be this company. And then you're like, well, Keith, we want to promote you. And you get a promotion. And then you continue to believe that you can get a promotion. You'll probably just keep going in that way. I don't know. That's me personally. No, I hear you. If I really believe that there's an opportunity for me to grow and make more money and better myself as a person, I'm like, yeah, let's go do this. I'm going to do twice as much work as everybody else. Yeah. But the second the second that I start doing it, and just accept like, well, this is what I do and I'll probably never get promoted. Then it becomes you're like – I hear you on the uh, make more money part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I'm at work, I could care less about <laughs> becoming a better person. I just want to make money. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mean like morally a better person. I mean okay. like I could set my life up. I could improve <laughs> my house, improve the life for my family. I could – I just – it's unfortunate, but money is basically the way that you 
on the outside, it's how you make your life that isn't inside of your brain actually better. Yeah. It's <laughs> with money. It's just the way society set up. So when I say be a better person, I mean, make my life better for me and my family. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's what, that's what motivates me to, to, I don't know, do good work. So as soon as you stop believing that you're about to get promoted, you're like, well, I'm just going to sit here and do uh, my job. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so I've got kind of like a, a topic that it's just like something me and Amanda were talking about this week. And I guess it's just more of a question for you. Okay. So, uh, I don't There's, there's a lot of things that happen in life and like you try to be like, you know, do all the, Oh, you, you try and be the best person <laughs> and, uh, like always do like, just be a good person. Right. But do you ever feel like it's kind of hard to be a good person when there are like so many bad people in this world? Like, do you ever, do you ever feel like that? Like, like what is the point of doing everything good when there's every good thing you do, there's five people doing something bad? Like, I don't know. Just something I was thinking of. No, I, I, I hear you. So what you're saying is that like kind of addressing the good guys finish last. Yeah. Okay. So like if I could do things bad, I would be able to exceed more. Yeah. Oh, not even just that because not even about my personal success, but like what is the point of always doing good when it feels like it's kind of like a one step forward, five steps back kind of thing? Like you're never really going to make any foot room in the world because there's so many people doing so many bad things that my one little good thing I did and it doesn't really account for anything. Yeah, I hear you. Just, hear you. just that kind of question. Uh, that's that's an interesting thought, Keith. That's a really interesting thought. Yeah, it it <laughs> it's making me dig deep in my brain. I mean, honestly, my my off the cuff answer, just like if I was talking to somebody and I needed to answer right then, they didn't have a ton of time to talk, um, would probably be, um, no. I don't find it difficult to be good in spite of the bad things that are going on in the world because not even one, not even just the world but just in your world. Oh, okay, okay. Th- so that's think a about different it, like, question because like there's a there's horrific things happening all over the globe. Yeah. But I honestly I've never met those people or experienced them. So for the most part, it's almost like they're a spiritual idea that they even exist. Yeah. I don't see those atrocities happening happening all the time. Uh, but in, in my own life, I see bad people doing bad things. And why would I do good things? I mean, honestly, other than like some spiritual reason that I could give, because I just want to, I want to be a good example to the people around me and show, I guess, I don't know, it, half of me, I want to inspire people around me to believe that you can be successful and be good and you can yeah. enjoy your life and be good. There is I agree. happiness. There is happiness in goodness. And that the, the idea that like, bro, if you don't freaking just take care of yourself and serve number one and you know what I mean? I mean, essentially like be a selfish and bad person. You're not going to get anything out of life. I'm out to find out. I, I disagree with that. I don't think that's true. And I want to be an inspiration to other people so that they can see like, Oh, there is good stuff about being good. The other half of me is it's just, I feel like it's safer to be good. You know what I mean? Like 
if I do bad things, bad things could happen because there are a lot of immediate consequences out there in the world that we might not see on a daily basis, but they're out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, this is, I'm going to go to some really extreme places. So forgive me <laughs> for, for getting this extreme, but you know, I've never, ever been afraid of, uh, getting an STD because I've never slept around with a bunch of different people that I know have slept around with a bunch of different people. Yeah. Uh, I've never been afraid of that. It's been safe for me to make the choice to not do that. Well, and I guess for I me, when I, when I talk about good choices, like I'm not necessarily talking about things that set you up in life. I guess I'm, I'm talking more of about like helping people out or doing something for someone else. Like that type of, that type, oh, not, okay. not like moral type things because i mean that's that's a given i mean you know for a lot of people i don't, I don't know if it is <laughs> for sure well i mean it, it's a given that you get what you pay for i guess yeah yeah you, you reap so, what you sow there yeah. you go that's that's why i would do good things because i'm not trying to reap a harvest of yeah. stds bankruptcy and <laughs> lawsuits you know yeah no i agree with you on that point but on the just on the personal side of it like uh, like, you know, giving, so, giving, giving someone 50 bucks or what, whatever amount, like giving someone some money, trying to do a nice thing. And then one of your siblings ends up in prison, you know what I'm saying? Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's like, or they waste what you gave them. Yeah. Ashley said that, but like, like you that's, do, that's, like well, you do, than... yeah, like you do a good thing and then bam, you get slapped in the face. And I think for me, like the thing that kind of takes me back on that is that it's easy for nice people to get taken advantage of. It's easy for someone to look that's at, really at a nice 100%. person and say, oh, let's, uh, let's pray on their goodness. You know, let's take advantage of the fact oh, that yeah. they care about people. I, I don't know. Like. Oh, yeah. No, no, you're, you're, I hear you, man. Cause the perfect example of that is, um, the church, a church in, uh, Fishers, I town. I know you know it. Yeah. Um, they, on their Christmas service, they passed around an offering plate and they literally said like anyone who needs money, this whole offering yep. plate, we're not collecting or we're, uh, if you need money, it, take it out of the offering plate. Cause you need it more than us probably. Yeah. You know, like, so they were like anyone who's struggling financially, go ahead and take money. Like, how easy would it for me to be like, screw these guys. <laughs> I'm taking it all. I need all the money I can get. Well, I need a PS. I need a PS4, but Amanda won't let me buy it. So, uh, yeah, you're literally like vacation and you just take the whole offering plate. Like you completely took a dump on all of that kindness and that goodness. Does that, does that make the goodness not worth anything? No, no, I, th I think that's kind of like the, in my brain, that's how the, I, I'm hearing your question is that whenever yeah. bad stuff, is there still, is there any value in doing good even when all that bad stuff happens? Um, I mean, it's a great question. I don't know yeah. if I can even answer it fully. I, I to probably me, it, have to let that one cook in yeah. my brain for a To week. me, it just kind of feels a little like just demoralizing. Oh, I don't, yeah. Cause, oh, yeah. You know, like doing good and then you know, that's not, 
you feel like yeah. there's no impact to doing good. Like you, you, you make an impact by doing something good and then something bad happens and it completely negates. Yeah. It. Because when you do yeah, good, you just, the, when you do good, the hope is to change. The hope is to make things better. But when things don't get better, you, do you kind of feel like you lost almost like lost ground or lost time on that? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, you're right. Like any, any nonprofit organization that's trying to help people, they want to help people, but like as much as they're like every homeless person they bring in off the street for every person we bring in, there's someone out there ODing or, you know what I mean? Or like maybe this homeless person I bring in goes out and ODs later and what good did I do? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, Hey, Keith, questions like that are the things that lead me to a spiritual place. Yeah. Like, because I, if there is no spiritual essence to life and I'm not even talking about like specifically Christian spiritual, uh, essence to life. I mean, I'm a Christian and I believe all that stuff. So that's, that's the spiritual essence that I see. And other people might, I believe it's the truth and I think other people can see it, but no matter what, just any spiritual essence, like you see, someone who's self-sacrificing or someone who stands up for a weaker person or shows courage or something like that, all those things, if you don't see some kind of spiritual essence to life, then life is really depressing. Like like that question you just asked is so depressing. You're like, wow, I cannot make a big enough impact to make a difference on the world. And that's just literally a fact. You know know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to kill the dreamers out there. So people that are like fighting the, the sex trade and so on and so forth. I'm not trying to say like, stop fighting the sex trade because, uh, it's still happening. So yeah, it's still happening. Good job. All you people. No, that's not what I'm saying. Like, don't stop giving money to those things. You should still do it. Cause if we stop trying, then the world's literally going to go to crap. Like if, yeah. <laughs> it's so what you're saying is like, like people doing good is literally the only thing keeping this world hanging on a thread. I mean, if people stopped doing good, can you imagine what life would be like? It would be, was, it would be hell. You know, yeah. I mean, totally. Just 100%. It would be, I mean, things are bad, but they would be a lot worse. But I think we're getting at a deeper question is that everybody knows they should keep doing good things. But the question is, why should you do good things? What if the person you bring in off the street and pour, invest your life into turns up just sucking? Or like what yeah. if what if you – I mean I'm, I'm trying to think of like a really extreme example of let's say you adopted an orphan and you just basically spent all your money, sent them to college, raised them to be a great person. And then after that, in college, they got mixed up with drugs and OD'd. Yeah. Was there was there any value to your investment? And I think unless you believe in some kind of spiritual side to life, no, there wasn't yeah. any value to your investment. So the only way that you can keep a hope alive that the things that you're doing matter no matter what the outcome is if you believe in some kind of spiritual essence to life. Like for I me, mean there's got to be because without that there's no hope for anything. We're here and then we're gone and there's nothing. Yeah, and you just want to – I mean let's say from an atheist perspective, I'm not an atheist, so I, I – <laughs> trust me, I can speak on this and know what I'm talking about. Maybe not maybe not really. But from, from, from my Christian's perspective, looking into the life of an atheist, 
I, I don't get how there is hope if you can do good things and you have no idea whether or not it's going to work out in the end. I'm not saying that like, repeat that question. I'm not saying that you need God to have morals as an atheist. I'm not saying that at all. You can do tons of good as an atheist without God. Yeah. But I don't like for any of it, for any of it to matter on a ground that on a perspective that stands beyond the 60, 70 years that you have, you have to have, some kind of some kind of divine perspective like some kind of hope beyond this life otherwise like everything you everything you do whether it's good or bad is just for this life and there's nothing beyond it and i'm not saying that in a rude way like no, no, yeah, like yeah. if you're like if you're an atheist stop doing good because it doesn't matter please everyone do good but without a perspective of something beyond these years that we have, like, what is it all worth? I mean, I can see, like, like, I mean, to an atheist, 70 years is eternity. Like, that's just what they view eternity as. So when they do something in this life, they're impacting eternity. And that's, that's, that's what we have. That's the scheme of things that, like, I'm impacting the world in the only way that I can, and this is all I've got. But I guess I'm, I'm getting more to, like, a was I mean that going back to that question, you adopted a child, raised him, sent him to college, gave him everything they could ever want, and then they died of a drug overdose because they got mixed up in some dangerous drug like heroin. Yeah. It, what was there any value to that as an atheist? I mean, I, I don't, don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's. it's I mean, other it's other than I mean, obviously, there's value in I raised that person. I love them. You know, there's a personal validity to it, but as far as like a a value, impact was non-existent. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't know. I, there's I, a there's a lot to be asked about that. So that's just kind of something I've been thinking about. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I literally believe in the like the the principle of I'm storing up good things for me, uh, storing up treasures in heaven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Or I'm uh, the things that I do. They when I when I love people and I sacrifice of myself, my time, my money, and I step down and I humble myself and I get mixed up with people that maybe other people don't see as deserving of love. When I do things like that, I'm I'm not really I guess I'm not looking for the impact. I mean, of course, I am looking for the impact. I want to impact the world in a positive way. But I'm not contented by the impact. I'm contented by me being who I was created to be and fulfilling my purpose. I feel like yeah. I was just created to show the world what love is. I was made to be an expression. You're of doing God's love. You're doing what you were what you were remade to do. You know, like what yeah, 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 you're yeah, doing exactly. you're fulfilling the reason that you exist. So, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and being a Christian gives you a lot of that purpose. For me, like, exactly. I feel like if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't really know, like, what, what the heck am I doing? Like, yes, I mean, I would still be a good person for sure. I would still do nice things. But if I didn't believe in God or have a sense of, like, purpose, I would just feel so, I would feel so empty, like, what I'm doing here really doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that because of because of my spiritual beliefs, I think that love has value in just expressing itself whether or not there's an impact. To show people love and for people to see love, I feel like it's impossible for there not to be an impact. Like there just yeah. is. You know what I mean? Just love expressing itself impacts people and things and is inspiring. Yeah. And you can see that like in every video that I've ever watched on Facebook that's like, you know, those emotional videos where like parents come home from war and their children hug their neck or stuff like that. Yeah. I, none of that even happened to me. I was scared. <laughs> I didn't have that experience. But seeing love expressed like that, it, just, yeah. it messes with me to where I'm like, man, I just want to help people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what it all comes down to, I I think doing good is always worth it. So, that's just kind of where I'm at right now is like, even even if you don't see the fruits at first yeah. and, and even if you never did, I, I think the fact that you can show love to someone regardless of even if it's reciprocated, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing to do and it's something that we should all do. True. You know, I even think, even I if think... it's tough sometimes, because because loving and being nice and doing the right things, they don't always they don't always get reciprocated, and they're not always. I don't know. It's it's not always well received or respected, but loving in general is something that we should all do. You know, especially as Christians. I mean, when when Jesus was talking about like the greatest commandment, he was saying that we should love God, we should love each other. You know, it does. It doesn't come down to all the ins and outs of whatever denomina- denomination that you believe in. It comes yeah. down to how well are you loving God and how well are you loving other people. So I feel like if we can do that right, then we're really we're doing something right. Absolutely. So. And I guess I guess I would put my final point as this is that you have to believe and you have to trust. I believe and I trust that love expressed is powerful enough to make a guaranteed impact, whether or not it's the metric that I'm currently evaluating. You know what I mean? Maybe I maybe I don't see the impact in the way that I was hoping to see the impact, but love expressed is so powerful that I ha- I trust that it is impactful. There is an impact, regardless of what I see, what I think. Love expressed is powerful enough that I trust it to make an impact whether or not I can see it or evaluate it or know that I'm making a difference. I think that it's just worth it. So that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I trust that love expressed is powerful enough to make an impact, even if it's not visible to me. Yeah. Cool. I think that's, I think yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> well, just for a, for a little question <laughs> that led into a pretty good sized topic. Yeah. Uh, conversation. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, that, that was good. <laughs> good, good, good talk, Keith. Good. Talk. Yeah. So I'd like to get into the meat of what I was wanting to talk about and then we can get into your stuff. So this, uh, I wanted to talk about, it's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, like a really ugly thing that I see inside of church, church culture and stuff. Um, Switching it up. Coming off a positive note, love is powerful, y'all. Let's go to a deep, dark, depressing place, Keith. Let's do it. Yeah, I want it. <laughs> so just this idea of um, pastors and elders and leaders using fear and abuse 
using fear and abuse as kind of like a... Hey, Ashley. Ashley. Sorry, I'm not trying to be a jerk. Um, <laughs> nah, she's having a conversation in there. We, um, we love Ashley. So, I'll just cut that little part, snip it out. Okay. So, I want to talk about fear and abuse inside the church, pastors um, using manipulation and stuff like that. And, and so, I don't want to like be all attacking church all the time but definitely a big part of this podcast something i want to talk about is like things that i see wrong that are going inside the church like i want to talk about how to better myself and how to be a better christian but i also want to talk about like things that things that i see that aren't accurately depicted so just this idea of fear and abuse and um one of my points i had was uh like pastors fulfilling a sense of purpose by people acknowledging how great they are and that's something that that I saw like at the church that we used to be in where we had our pastor who seemed to be like he needed to be the center of attention. He needed to be up around the pulpit. People needed to acknowledge how great of a man of God he was. And I, I don't know. And, and maybe that wasn't maybe that wasn't his full heart. Get your pitchforks out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just kind of how it felt sometimes of like and, and even if that wasn't him. Yeah. There are tons of pastors around the world and oh yeah that kind of have that they need that sense of acknowledgement, they need that sense of purpose, they need people to see how great of men they are. So I I don't know. Yeah, man, it's 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 a tough one, dude. Like I don't know where that whole thing comes from. Like whenever Jesus was talking in the Bible, I'm pretty sure that people were like who will be the greatest among you? Who will be blah, 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 blah. And Jesus was like, whoever is the least among you and serves the most will be the greatest among you. You know what I mean? Like we, I don't feel like the Bible ever encourages people to like get big and famous. I don't think that anyone <laughs> that's, that is not any goal ever presented in scripture is get big and famous. Yeah. But yet I think that, uh, I think that that is a goal for a lot of pastors is get big and famous so that I can make more money and my church can be more successful and I can do more for God. And I think that's just kind of a backwards mentality. Yeah. It's like, you're like, first things I need to get the prerequisites, which is uh, big congregation, large amount of excess money, uh, bigger building, nice worship team, uh, and fame. And once we get on the map and we have, we have a hundred thousand likes on Facebook, and uh, uh, 1,000 weekly attenders, I think I will be able to do something for God. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you should just start with that. <laughs> just screw everything and start with that. And if if doing things for God costs you everything we just mentioned, go with it. Like, just, it's not, just, that's what matters, bro. Sorry, I'm not trying to distract from your question here. No, so, you're good. So, so, I mean, I think, just in general, I feel like the way that, hell itself is presented and eternal judgment and all that stuff. I feel like even that is presented in a way to instill fear and make people want to do what, what you're doing. I don't know. I, I feel like even may, maybe not hell itself. And that's something yeah. I'm still trying to figure out. Like, sure. you know, what is, what is judgment is an eternal thing. Like what, 
what is a fair sentence that someone should suffer for a few years lived on earth in a wrong way like you know like or what even is right and wrong so i'm trying to figure all that out myself but let's just say you know hell itself is real like Mm -hmm. some you know there's a choice that you can make in this life and after death it's gonna it's gonna culminate in either a good eternity or a bad one or in annihilation or whatever it is there's got to be a good and a bad after effect so i some kind of justice yeah some kind of justice because god is just so that's one thing i still believe sure um so but even just the way hell is presented as like you better not be a sinner or uh you're gonna you're gonna burn forever in a lake of fire and worms are gonna eat your flesh and so so evangelize with us next week (laughs) we're hitting the streets and uh (laughs) we need you to be there you don't want to you don't want to go to hell do you you know what's even crazier than that is uh this mentality from like ezekiel i think it's is it ezekiel 33 watchmen on the walls uh, it might be a different, I might be, it might be a different major prophet, but either way, whenever he's like, if you see danger coming and you don't sound the alarm and alert someone, their blood is on your hands and you will be judged for the murder of these people. So on and so forth. Really old Testament verse, everybody. Is that Not that really sure from? how much of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's, it's a verse that says their blood will be on your hands. Now, that being said, I'm not sure of the Old Testament context and how that necessarily ties into things today, but I know that this is wrong, that so, that some people teach it like, um, hey, guys, you want to go out and preach the gospel today? Because if you don't, you're guilty for everyone in your city burning in hell forever. Wow. <laughs> and then – Thanks. And then, <laughs> yeah, oh, sweet. Now I'm really motivated because <laughs> I don't want to die and burn forever. No, but uh, does that sound like motivation by love? I mean it, to some no, it's, extent – It's fear some and ex- it's mental abuse to, is what it is. To, to, to some extent, it loses its power whenever you're going around – because I'm not saying that like – Love can't motivate you to want to save someone from the justice that's coming their way. I'm not saying that in any way, but I am saying that like it's wrong when you tell people to go evangelize and this is how they feel. They're like, hey, come up to a stranger. Have you ever met Jesus? Because he's the only way to heaven. And the person is like, get the freak away from me, freaking retard. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to talk about that stuff. I got my kids here. Get get out of here. Yeah. And then, and then that Christian walks out of there and they're like, Man, too bad he's going to burn in hell, but at least I won't burn with him. You know, right? what I it's mean? almost like, like a it's almost like a self validating <laughs> thing. Like you want to, it's literally only That's so you good. can, yeah, it's literally only so you can walk away from the situation and say, well, the blood's not on my hand. If he dies and goes to hell now, I told him about Jesus. I guarantee yeah, you, ninety ninety eight percent of people who live in America have heard of the name of Jesus. They need people to be Jesus, not just tell them about him. Yeah, so. the, I mean, the Bible see, it says, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. People have heard that the Lord is good, but they've probably never tasted and seen of the love that he really has to offer because most of what they get is like, do you want to talk about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, today? And then they're like, <laughs> "No, thanks. Uh, man, that sounds weird. Can you just leave me alone? And then after that happens, oh, I've it's, been that guy. It's, it's not okay. It's not okay for a Christian to be like, Whew, no skin off my nose now that I preach the gospel. Right. Like, 
that person literally, if you believe what you're talking about and they're going to burn in hell forever, you don't walk away from that like, well, at least I'm not in trouble. You know, you walk away from that like weeping, like, oh my God, I need that person to see this is not okay. You know what I mean? And if that's the way you really believe, you shouldn't be like, well, I just try to be a light. Thank goodness no blood's on my hands and I'm okay. If, if you believe in hell as eternal flames and worms, you don't walk away from those situations like, well, you know, the ignorant will be damned and burn forever. You, yeah. you don't say that. You you literally because how can, lay, you lay on your floor and cry and you're like, yeah. no, Jesus, please do not kill this person. You know what I mean? And it's just – that's a wrong mentality when you teach people that they need to be afraid unless they preach the gospel. Then everything's chill. No, I mean if you're going to present hell like that, you better believe and and act like it's like that. Yeah, because you can't pronounce eternal judgment on somebody and then, you know, in in the same breath be like, oh, okay, well, what am I going to go eat for lunch today? You know what I'm saying? Like, how can you? Oh, how can so you do right. that? <laughs> so, how can, you, how can you go up to someone and be like, "Yeah, man, uh, I, I guess if you just don't believe, I mean, there's no escape from the flames of hell that are looking at your heels." So, you All guys right, want well, uh, McDonald's or Wendy's? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling Chick Fil A. Okay, yeah, they're they're pretty godly, so let's go there. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're really. Uh, they're not going to hell, so let's eat there. <laughs> And that's just not an okay transition. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So do you remember back during when we used to do encounters? Sue, I I really enjoyed, you know, aspects of the encounter. But something that I always thought was weird but never really thought about it until like reevaluating all this stuff is like the – do you remember the – the hell portion that we used to go through? And it literally consisted of – consisted of oh geez that's some consistency (laughs) right there it consisted of us watching a man who went to hell and was being tortured for about 30 minutes and then it was like so do you want this to happen to you well i hope not (laughs) well here's the cross you better go to it you know what i'm saying like that is such bs obviously it was a chick so obviously you weren't paying attention (laughs) sinner (laughs) But I, I agree with you. Keith, do you care if I dial it back and just explain what an encounter is so people can judge whether or not we were involved in a cult? Do it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, whatever judgment people make, I will not be offended because I've had the same thoughts. So so and it, an encounter is uh, basically where at the church like uh, twice a year we would get everybody together and we would go away from the church for a weekend, spend a weekend in a place and literally just like leave all of the media behind, no cell phones, no even like worldly reading material, like just just nothing. You come, it's just you and God, and you spend two and a half days locked up in this place and you can't leave. Well, <laughs> you, 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 you could leave, but you're not supposed to. It's against the rules to leave. Like you're basically saying like I don't want to be a part of it if you leave. And then we just talk about spiritual stuff and get people – thinking about their lives, what God has a plan for them. And then, and then it gets really intense where we're like, so do you have wounds from past relationships that you need to forgive? Do you have problems with your relationship with your parents? Are you possessed by demons? (laughs) And hell is scary. Don't go there. Jesus died for you. 
and you, then you leave it all there. Honestly, like Keith said, there's really good aspects about it, but it was a little intense. It was it was actually really intense. So uh, we'll let you be the judge of that. But I just wanted to go back, Keith, and dial it back and talk about uh, what an encounter was, so people knew what you were talking about. So, so at the encounter, we had this. There was a section that was about the penalty of sin and God's free gift of salvation. And the thing that Keith is talking about is literally like a 15, 20-minute video of someone dying in a car accident. And then they appear in hell. And you just see all of the terrible, torturous things that happen to them, like worms busting out of their stomach and uh, people being like uh, in large pits of fire, screaming like – melting flesh put on a conveyor belt and chained down and rolled into some flames and all these demons and ugly things are like ripping you apart and so we we watched like a 15 minute video of someone burning in hell essentially and then they were like that's very gruesome but it's only a portion of what will happen in fires of hell you cannot possibly imagine the tortures and the 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 evil, evil, terrible, painful things that God has imagined for you in that place. And man, God is so good. God is so good. (laughs) And then, and then there would be the offer of salvation. Then it was, I mean, I don't think that hell is a good thing by any means. So if you zoom out really far, hell is a bad place. And Jesus gave everything so that we could avoid God's judgment. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that. But it was done in a very like, Bet you're, bet you're freaking scared now, you sinner. <laughs> God dang it. You know what I mean? Then, it really was. After, <laughs> bet you're quaking in your boots now. Ha, I knew you needed Jesus. Uh, dude, Some something that I question is like, you know, do you think some people confuse the fear of God with the fear of man? Where they they try to instill like an, an earthly fear into you and then – because fear of – I understand the fear of God. I understand being reverential. Like he is – he has so much power that he could literally crush the ground that I walk on and destroy everything that I own. And I totally revere God. I do. I have a fear of God. But at the same time, I'm not waking up every day like, oh, crap. Am I good enough? Oh, man. I hope I, I hope I don't say something bad today. Oh, crap. Crap, God, please don't smite me. Please don't smite me. You know, I'm not waking up like mm. that. Yeah. Honestly, dude, Keith, if I'm telling you where I'm at with the fear of God and how that works, like I wake up every day and this is kind of how it goes for me. I don't know if this is wrong or right, but this is what happens in my brain is I wake up and I'm like, God, I just like from the moment I get up and look at my out of shape body and <laughs> my messy bedroom and <laughs> – and just like think about who I am yeah. from the moment I wake up. I'm like, I know I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just that's just true. But for sure, what 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 I think and what the standard says, you're not good enough. What, I know it's not about like <laughs> doing all the right things. And and this I, like, I wake up and I immediately know I don't measure up to God's standard yeah. because he I mean, okay, let me – hold on. I got to dial this back and explain it because I want it to be able to be understood by everyone, not just like some theological professor out there. But like I wake up and I know that I am not a perfect person. 
And that's kind of the standard that the Bible sets is that like if you're perfect, then you'll go ahead and make it in. But it also teaches that like God really doesn't care where you've been, what you've been doing. He just loves you and did everything to rescue you. So for me, the fear of God, I wake up, realize I'm not good enough. And before I even get out of bed, I just kind of like dig my fingernails into the cross and I dig my fingernails into God like like he's my dad and I'm afraid to let go. Because like literally it would – I kind of feel like this. Like if judgment and holiness and hell and all this is like just the world out there, like I'm a two-year-old little baby and I wake up and I'm like, hey, the world is a crazy place. Let's run across the freeway. I fear that. So I turn right around and I wrap my arms around my dad and I'm like, dude, you're the only guy that's going to protect me from all this crazy stuff that I don't even understand. I don't comprehend life in its fullness. But I can't let go of you. I know that. And that's kind of the fear of God is that fear of a child that makes them turn around to their dad and say, pick me up, pick me up, hold me, hold me. That's the fear of God for me is it doesn't make me afraid of like, oh, God, please, please accept me. Don't kill me. No, to me, it's just like I turn around. I'm like, bro, you got to get me or I'm going to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of the fear of God for me is it's a fear that makes me wrap my arms around God and feel like I can't go away from him because I don't know. He's I to quote a Pedro, the lion song. I, I, nice. I don't even, it's probably not even about God or anything, but he says, I wouldn't mind, but you are my only hope. And like, that's just kind of how my life is, is that I, I truly believe God's my only hope. Yeah. So I'm afraid to let go of that. Anything that would ever make me want to let go, I'm like, bruh, I ain't letting go. I, I fear God. I need him. Yeah. And so I guess, I guess I fear God's absence in my life is the way that I fear God. I fear anything yeah. that would make him absent. Yeah. Fear, fear a life without him. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's good. So my next point I want to jump to on this um, is when – so – pastors manipulating people to believe they are needed you know like this i'm i'm your spiritual authority you need me i am above you i know more than you i've studied more than you god speaks to me better than you that idea of i'm a pastor god's given me this office so somehow you need me and i i don't know I think in some in some points a pastor is needed, but not not to the necessity or to the degree that it's kind of portrayed as. Like I don't I don't think my life's gonna fall apart if I don't have a pastor. Do I feel yeah. like you know, if I did have a pastor, would I probably be would I be more focused, maybe? Would I be able you know, would I have someone there, you know, pushing me to stay more spiritually healthy and all that stuff probably but is my life falling apart because i don't have a pastor in my life i don't think so yeah so yeah, that's totally... that's kind of where i'm at right that right there with with all of that mm-hmm. i'm totally totally on board with you there because if you follow that train of thought like so you need a pastor because he hears from god and is going to speak into your life well, that means if I need a pastor, that means he needs a pastor because we're both human. So yeah. who's speaking into his life? And then that keep going. It keeps going up the ladder until eventually you get that guy who's like, well, God speaks to me. God speaks to me. And then you're like, whoa, I want to be just like the guy at the top. Let me follow his example. 
so I can be as awesome as him. And then everybody just hears from God and we don't need a pastor anymore. Yeah. Look at how that logic works. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying that mentors are a bad thing. If you, if it's a good thing to have a mentor in your job, it's a good thing to have a mentor in physical training. It's a good thing to have a mentor in basketball or sports or guitar. It, it, people benefit from mentors. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but you can't say that like you need me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's obviously not true. We see it in the Bible tons of times. Like all of the cool stuff that Abraham did, was it because his mentor told him to? No, no he literally just heard from God. I mean, and, that's how all the, that's all the, how all the great men of God worked. They, God yeah. spoke to them and they did what God said. But nowadays it all comes down to God spoke to the pastor and now we do what he says. And I just don't think that's a valid way of looking at things because like how, like how much more important is he that God would only speak to him? Or if there's a vision given to the church, God's only going to give it to the pastor and then everyone else just needs to flock to them like sheep. And I understand the biblical reference to sheep as far as like flocking to Jesus, but I feel like it's almost kind of demeaning when a pastor refers to their congregation as their sheep because people literally act like sheep. They don't think for themselves. They don't talk for themselves. They don't try to figure all this stuff out for themselves. They literally are just like, tell us what to do, pastor, because we we don't know how to be Christians. We need you to tell us. I have heard pastors say, sheep are stupid animals. Stupid animals need someone to tell them what to do. Follow me, sheep. <laughs> and, and and pastor, the word pastor means shepherd. And so I don't think that this pastor was saying like, you're all a bunch of stupid animals. You need to follow me. <laughs> but it, it kind of does infer that. I just, I just want to say that like put it out there in the air that I think pastors are a legit thing and they should exist and they serve a necessary role in your life, but they are not your spiritual source and they should not treat themselves like they are. You shouldn't treat them like they am, like they am, like they 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 am. (laughs) You shouldn't treat them like they am. You shouldn't treat them like that boy. No, you, you shouldn't treat a pastor like he's your spiritual source. He shouldn't act like he's your spiritual source because then you're going to get some weird craziness going on. And we did. That's, Dude, our view of the spiritual authority that we used to have was, I mean, to an extent, was a little insane. Like, like we didn't Bruh. we didn't do anything unless it was passed by spiritual authority, and it was borderline cultic. And that's how yeah. that church operates is it's borderline cultic. It really yeah. is because I remember I, I, I remember even you know if you with us when we started questioning pastor and we started bringing these issues up to him. It was received like a cult would receive a disagreeance. It was hushed, it was shut up, and it was kicked out. And that's how it, that's how it was treated. And it I, was, I was, I was, I, I was a disagreeance. I got kicked out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it was violently. If you opposed Tom, if you opposed anyone else that he had in eldership, if you opposed the way church was ran, you were looked at as a wolf to the church you were looked at and labeled as an enemy and or literally called an enemy (laughs) that's true Mm -hmm. so anyways 
no, yeah, I, I'm on board with you there. That 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 is, yeah. What I mean, literally, there was a verse that we talked about. It was, uh, I want to say Psalms 33, but it talks about where like, and the, the, uh, the brothers dwelling in harmony is the same as the dew on Mount Hermon. It's like the anointing oil that anoints the priest and runs from his head down on his beard and down onto his garments and so on and so forth. And that verse right there is used to teach that things flow from the head down. So whatever happens to pastor gets flowed down to the rest of us. Whatever pastor's getting is getting passed on to the rest of us. And not that there's not some truth to that, but it was like the things that I get, I get them from my spiritual head, which is pastor. And I really think that the Bible says a man's head is Christ. Yeah. So like we, we just, we need to get that out of order that it's not, we don't need to look to a pastor for our spiritual source. We can look to them for guidance, but not, not your spiritual source. Like you're not going to dry up spiritually if your pastor gets taken out of your life. And I don't think that pastors teach that or that people believe that, but the system that we have is set up to act like that. Yeah. What it comes down to is pastors have kind of like this man of God syndrome, which in our little group, we all know we're talking about, but for anyone who's listening to this and doesn't understand what that means, it's uh, a pastor or an evangelist or an elder or someone someone of stature inside of a church. Having that man of God syndrome means that I'm on this level. You guys need to do enough good to someday be like me. You know that that like I need to be the shining example of what a perfect man of God looks like and I just don't I don't think that's achievable and I don't think that I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy to put yourself on a pedestal like that because you make yourself no, not. you make yourself completely unrelatable to the people around you. I mean, I remember you know some things that Pastor Tom had said over the pulpit talking about like I don't struggle with sin, and I don't understand how you guys can either. You need to get over it, and so, <laughs> you know, like, what? like someday, someday you'll reach, someday you'll reach my level where the most sin I struggle with is having a bad thought about someone, or blah blah blah, or you know, I remember one Sunday he was talking because we were talking about fire or um, oh, pa- yeah, yeah, yeah. passion like, to be passion, a Christian. Fire. Yeah, and and he Fire says, God. and he's literally standing at at the uh, the uh, pulpit there, and he's just like, well, you know, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I just I've never lost my fire, and I don't know how people can do it. I just I, I don't I can't relate to you because I've always been on fire <laughs> for Jesus. There's never been a time when my fire has dwindled. I just don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, shut up. I, if I like, can be real with you, if I can be real with you, I'm pretty. I say this and it almost makes me sad because I don't wish any bad on anyone from there. But like I I bet right now is a pretty tough time where that fire is thinking about dwindling because all of the like people that were going to take over stuff left because we had some disagreements that were not handled well. And and I personally, I was a part of I felt like I was a part of the church's future. And I was asked me to take a sabbatical. Dude, I wanted to be the next freaking worship leader. I was in line to do that. And I was okay with that. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I felt like I was an elder at the church. Like I had a future, and uh, then then I was asked to take a sabbatical and pray about whether or not this is where God really wants me to go. And when you ask a congregate, not even a leader, because I had stepped down at that point, when you ask a person in your congregation to take a sabbatical because you feel they're dangerous and might confuse everybody with the things that they're saying, I didn't want to go back after that. I prayed about it, and I was like, I if this is how I'm going to be treated, I don't want to go back. And yeah. so the point I'm trying to get to is like Pastor Tom says, my fire never dies. But that has got to affect you, bro, that you lost all those people and that our relationships aren't good right now. That affects you. And when you say like, I don't ever flinch because the fire never dies, you just you're putting yourself on a pedestal that I feel like that's hurting him. It's yeah. doing damage to him because he can't be vulnerable with people. Like pastors just need to be like, look, bro, I'm freaking depressed. Yeah. Okay. And I need you to rally behind me. I am a hurting person right now. And we would all, the church would be like, ah, yeah. Cause we, cause yeah. we loved our, we, I mean, I do love pastor Tom. I would still be like, bro, I'm praying for you and I hope things get better. Not coming back to church, but I hope stuff gets better for you because I care about you. So on and so forth. I would even do that now, but that vulnerability is what's missing in pastors' man of God syndrome is that they can't have vulnerability or they lose their ability to be a man of God. And that's the literally stupidest crap I have ever heard of. I mean, the way they look at that is literally like, I mean, back like in medieval times where the king had to be looked at as like this super revered man who had no flaws. And if people saw it, they would behead the king. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the way it's kind of looked at. Or, I feel like I, like I have to be this perfect personification of a human being and an individual. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job right. And that's why I really respect Joey from the from the BC podcast because he's he's a pastor, and I would even consider him, you know, almost in that mega pastor slot because he he does have a pretty good sized church and he's part of a yeah. large organization. Yeah. But the thing is. He's okay to get on there and say, Hey guys, I'm freaking depressed today. Like yeah. my you know, my medications are are uh getting goofed around and I'm just sad today and that's okay. And, and that because he's laying down that whole if I can be so real, I think that what people think is a man of God, quote unquote, isn't. But when you lay your stuff down and you get vulnerable and humble and you become like that, like where you're like, I'm depressed and I, don't, I just – I'm struggling through this, you become a man of God. Yeah. Someone who is vulnerable and sustained by God, not someone who's like, God has so changed me by his holy fire that I no longer struggle with anything. I don't even like to eat foods that are high in sugar because God has changed my life so. Like – High fructose corn syrup of the devil. Won't see me eating none of that. You want to go get some gluten-free donuts in the foyer because they're holy. You get me? The fire of God. Hallelujah. Bless you on the way out. Give, your, give, give me your money. Because I, if you haven't noticed, wait, I deserve wait. your money. If you haven't noticed, I deserve it. Give me your, give me your money so I can buy gluten-free donuts so you can buy them again. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. That's good. That's that's some crazy business. Do you, that business. doesn't make sense either, does it? Like no, it how coffee bars and coffee bars and stuff work. Like 
you pay your tithe to a church and with a portion of that money they buy donuts and coffee and blah 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 and then you have to buy those again like after they're buying with the money that you already supplied them with yeah because otherwise the money that you gave wouldn't really be going towards the mortgage and salaries it would be going towards you Mm. (laughs) and that's not why you gave us your money so we could support you that's some that's stupid (laughs) you should have just kept your money duh that's not how tithe works i think you're (laughs) on to something i think you're on to some (laughs) no no but like another thing about the man of god syndrome it's like where someone becomes larger than life and like in a secular sense hey like yeah so do you want to just make this extra long one since we didn't make one last week or you want to cut it off soon we can cut it off soon. That's cool. It's it'll up just to be you. a medium-sized one. Okay. <laughs> it'll that's be a little good. bit longer, but that's okay, I think. Um, give the people what they want, Keith. That's yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> no, but uh, the man of God syndrome, like, for example, it just makes for an unhealthy relationship. Like, everyone would agree that celebrities, most celebrities, don't have a healthy relationship with the public. Like they literally go in public and people scream and tear at their clothing and sell pictures of them for hundreds of dollars. Like rip out a lock of hair and sell it for freaking 20,000 bucks. Yeah, we know that's not good. We know that's not good. But when you let a pastor in a spiritual sense become what those celebrities are in a secular sense to where he's just like larger than life, not relatable, so on and so forth. He's the reason that I come to church like it's a concert where I get to see my favorite artist perform, except my favorite artist is Stephen Furtig and he just talks the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it just, like the only reason I'm talking about that is because I know some stuff about it from just hearing people that have been involved in Elevation. Yeah. But I don't know if you listened to that last episode of the podcast uh, from the Bad Christian Guys, but the guy that was on there, he said – we were trying to get a loan or something like that to, to build a new facility or something like that. For whatever it was, they had an auditor come in and like audit the finances and the in financial integrity of the church and everything. And the auditor, who's not even a Christian, just outside business, was like, the danger that I see here is that all of the money and income could be heavily disrupted if there were a change in one person's occupation, yeah. that one person being Stephen Furtig, the pastor, like if it wasn't for Stephen Furtig, would elevation be anything like it is now? I can't say that I know that it would. And an auditor who's not a Christian, not involved in Christian circles at all is literally like, no, honestly, probably not. Yeah. Probably it's, I don't know about financial integrity here because it's kind of based on one guy. Isn't that and scary? That, that is scary. It's that freaking is crazy. scary, and, but, dude. How many it, – it's, it's based on one guy's, but think about this. How many people's spiritual lives are tied up in elevation and it could literally just blow up because of one person's either bad choices or just decision to quit? Yeah. And all of that spiritualness just goes away. What like It's just – it's a fragile system. It's like, it's like a, 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 a fragile beehive that could yeah. like – easily be not it's not a beehive they're not bad people they're not going to sting you and kill you but the point is that it's like it's a thing where life and culture of these christian people is dependent upon this thing and it's literally like a jenga puzzle where you pull one piece out and all those people's spiritual lives they're like wtf is happening in my spiritual life right now yeah because of one person that's not healthy for the pastor and that's not healthy for the congregants that's not healthy for anybody it's ugly and gross and I, I, I mean, 
Well, because I then think- you have what, like what ha- what happened at Living Water. I remember having a conversation with Pastor Tom. It's actually the one where we stepped out of leadership, the last meeting we had with him before leaving the church. And uh, he was literally so confused. I, re- I really think that he's got some real confusion going on inside of him because he's like, I don't understand what's going on. Ryan had all these people who are dedicated to him. And he's, you know how he uses like stuff on tables to kind of like use analogies. Like Ryan, like Ryan was like a paperclip and then he was like a a thing of (laughs) pins. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's like, so, so Ryan had all of, all of you guys who are like these super involved disciples, which, but anyways, um, so he was like, so, so he was like, Ryan had all you guys under him and you literally did whatever he said. And then, and then he left. And then I was expecting you guys just to transition over here and just do whatever I was doing. But now, like when I try and get you guys involved, you don't want to do it. And I, you know, I, 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 and I really think he really is confused and he doesn't understand. No, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand how to make things work. Because honestly, dude, we've talked about it before and we don't need to talk about it all again. But the thing that bound us to Pastor Ryan and made him such a pillar in our life was how much love he had for us. We could lean on him and he would support us. And we never had that relationship with Pastor Tom. So it was basically like, hey, everybody, now that Pastor Ryan's gone and there's a little bit of a trust problem. You know, because the person that you trusted most is no longer trusting me. That don't worry about all that. Just just stand up here on the and, and trust fall. Just give me everything. Lean yeah. on me. You know what I mean. And, and then on top <laughs> of that, like it was never even addressed. Like the re- him the reasons for him leaving. If I w- if I wouldn't have been in relationship with Ryan, I would not have known anything of what happened. I literally would have just known, hey, Ryan was here and now he's gone, and let's move forward. I think this is the question that never really got addressed was I, I, the question in my heart the whole time was, I didn't even know it was there, I guess, but the question in my heart the whole time was, why should I trust you when the person that I trusted most doesn't trust you anymore? Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I literally like, no, I trusted pastor Ryan with my life and he's having some trust issues with you. So why would I trust you when the person that I trusted most in my life doesn't trust you? You know what I mean? No, I was like, in the same the, boat, yeah. It was never addressed. It was just like, trust me. And you're like, oh. Uh, uh. Yeah, and it was just expected that that level of commitment and connection was just expected to transpose from Ryan to Tom. And it just – that's not how relationships work. That's not how – that's not yeah, how like, that's not how all that stuff works. It's not just like, oh, well, he's not here anymore. So, yeah, literally. OK, so imagine you're in a circle of friends, like imagine you have like a, a really you're in a circle of friends and you're really, really close with one person. And then everybody else is kind of like your acquaintances and you you know them and laugh with them and joke with them. But you don't know them, know them. Yeah. And then the person that, you know, like a total boss, like this is your brother. This is your partner in crime, like your guy steps out of the circle and is like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And then you're just left there. Does it make sense for the people in the circle to be like, yeah, man, you're our bro. Let's hang out. And you're supposed to just be like, yeah, you're all my bros. 
Yeah. No, it does. That doesn't make any sense. You'd be yeah. like, "Hey, bro, why'd you step out of the circle? What's going on?" Yeah. Yeah, but that's not what was expected of us. We were just like, "Hey, well, they're gone now, so welcome to the circle." Right. And it, I mean, it might have even been okay if we would have just talked about it and been vulnerable. You know what I mean? But that's definitely not what's happening, and that made it really not all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't want to get into all that. Yeah, we'll um, we'll save it for another day. I think we can probably wrap this one up. It was good talk. I enjoyed it for sure. Yeah. Um, and we still, I really, really want to do a what the hell is church episode, but I want to have a guest, like someone that came from our church with us. Yeah. Uh, like maybe that would be a really good episode to get Pastor Ryan in on. That would. I mean, maybe we what if we that. did like a four person call we had? Cause I think Libby would be someone really cool to have on there too, because I mean, she started questioning all this stuff with like, what is church long before even I did. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we could we could do it either way. I just, uh, I just, I mean, Liv, Liv, it would be good to have Libby on. We'd be good to have Pastor Ryan on here. He probably won't want us to call him Pastor Ryan. I mean, I but, don't do that anyways. Yeah, I just it's so hard to break myself of the habit, man. It's like literally <laughs> who that guy is. Yeah, but uh, all thing all things considered, man, uh, I think we get think we can wrap it up and let our our listeners go because i guys the same thing i say every time if you're listening to this podcast and you listen to it the whole way through i love you because you care about me in some way that i don't truly understand so thank you <laughs> for giving me the time of day listening to to the podcast you guys are awesome uh and just yeah yeah i just i just i just love you guys stay That's frosty yeah. Stay fr- stay frosty, bros. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even know what that so, means. Uh, everyone, I just want to thank you for coming here. Uh, we're going to have Wednesday night podcast. Uh, if you can't, you can't come and attend, uh, then uh, you probably just shouldn't come back to next week's podcast, honestly. Yeah. So uh, you're not, you're, probably... you're not the real, you're not the real listeners. If you can't be at the Wednesday service. Just yeah, so absolutely. You know. So all those real listeners that are listening right now that, uh, weren't really going to go to Wednesday, but now you're going to go to Wednesday because I told you you weren't even legit if you didn't. Yeah. I appreciate you. And and <laughs> Man, to add so heavy. And to that's add so to that, heavy. I mean, if, a... if you're not if you're not telling people about the podcast, you probably really don't care about it either. So <laughs> so be evangelizing. You know, tell people about this great work that we're doing. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well. We're signing off, you guys. Have a good one. Enjoy your day. We love you. Peace. Peace.